1: Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley,
0: the Total Tutor. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter at Total Tutor Neil S. Haley, Facebook at NeilHaley.com. And I'm honored to have on the program Jacqueline Bassett, celebrity actress. How are you, Jacqueline? And uh, I know you're excited about your latest project, aren't you?
4: I am. I am. I'm very, very well. I'm. I'm even not I'm feeling quite lively at this time of the morning, and
0: uh, all is well. All is well. Okay, let's talk about the last film festival, and what I think it's. It's very. Uh, and a really an important film for you for a, a few reasons, isn't that true, Jacqueline?
4: Actually, you're right. It is. It is important to me. I don't know what reasons you think it's important to me, but for me, it was because it's a comedy. I got to work with a really good group of people, and uh, Dennis Hopper was somebody I admired a lot. Yes, and that's Unfortunately, one of them. he died when we shot this um, before we were really finished with his role and, and all, the, all the follow-up that would have happened, you know, normally. So it's taken us a hell of a long time to get this film back on, on track, and the directors worked incredibly hard, and uh, we've given her lots of support. And finally, it's come out. We just—I just came back from uh, Santa Fe where we, we showed it at the film festival over the weekend, and um very excited to have it out there. And I hope that, you know, as it's a small film, we need all the help we can get. We need, um, you know, it's not a big budget film with a great big uh, push from behind. It's very independent, and it's very original, and I get to play this Italian diva, and he oh. gets to play my ex-husband, and he, of course, has a new girlfriend, of course. She's <laughs> only been away from me for a short time, but he has a new girlfriend. And there's all kinds of comedy.
0: Absolutely, Jacqueline. That's what I thought about was, again, Dennis Hopper. When I saw that, you know, you were co-starring with him and I knew that he had passed on, uh, what a great way to have his memory live on to be his final film and with you uh, co-starring with him. And your memories of Dennis, right? Well, yeah.
4: uh, thank you. Well, it's very nice. I think actually we did have good chemistry. We didn't get to know each other very well, but there was something we kind of, the way we ripped each other, It was
0: it was good. It was. It was. Uh, was that the first time you ever worked with Dennis on a film? Sorry, is that the first time you've worked with Dennis I, on a I can't film? Hear you. No, I said, Jacqueline, is that the first time you worked with Dennis on a film?
4: Yes, yes, it's absolutely the first time. And and in fact, you know, he had such a kooky character in terms of so many movies. I must say, I, I was almost intimidated by him in the beginning. I knew him as sort of as an artist, and everything. But i have seen many of those films where he played these crazy characters. But in real life he was little different. He was quite he was pretty calm at that point in his life and he plays a role in this where he's, he plays this uh, frantic uh, frantically needy character in terms of uh, he wants his film to be out there <laughs> and he'll do anything to get it out there. So that's why we end up in
0: this really tacky film festival. Uh, absolutely, Jacqueline, and it's kind of really speaks to the world today, especially with these new film. The, the uh, everyone trying to get their film out there to film festivals and to be turned down so many times and finally get that opportunity, right, Jacqueline? It's kind of definitely tells a story. Right, that's, that's the, of the story. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I was yeah, saying that, that. That's the
4: premise of the piece.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so what I was saying, Jacqueline is, I, I, that, can't, I can't hear you. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I was going to say to you, Jacqueline, we were, we're talking about the same time. I apologize. I, I was saying that basically that the, um, film in, in so many ways, uh, is speaking to lots of artists today, how they have to try to get their film, to film festivals and get their film out there as a project. Don't you agree? Yeah, it, it,
4: absolutely. it's, it's, it's You know, so many films don't get distribution unless they get some some festival activities first. You know, it's it's like the Sundance Festival and all those things are desperately important. In the film, the premise is that there's four thousand film festivals in the world, and this film has been turned down by all of them. (laughs) So we end up in this small town, and uh, you know, it's like the circus comes to town.
0: (laughs) We arrive, and that sounds so funny. And and think about how many actors go on so many auditions. That speaks to it as well, right? <laughs> how they get turned down so many times when auditioning. The same thing that they Dennis do. is dealing with.
4: Yeah, you've got to get... You've you, you got to you have a thick skin to, to
1: get
0: through this uh, this business to some
1: degree. <laughs> now, can There's you so tell... Much, there is a lot of rejection.
0: Yeah, so Jacqueline, how many auditions have you had in your life? Uh, that that would be an unbelievable number compared to all the films you were in and movies and no, TV. No, no, it really...
4: It, no, it, it, it hasn't been because uh, you know when you become established, they often they don't ask you to, they don't make you audition often. Uh, okay. but, uh, since in uh, the last 10, 15 years, the auditioning process has come back more than it used to. When I first started, I used to, I used to audition when I first started, but um, then there was a period when I didn't audition because they kind of knew me and I was in the circuit, and then gradually I, it's cha- all the people who were running the studios and people you know got younger, and the people have. <laughs> Have, have, um, didn't know a lot of the actors and they started making them audition again. I don't have any problem with that, but, um, some people do. I do. I think, I, you know, I always look at it as a chance to get to know if I want to work with the people who are auditioning me. It's not a one way street, it's a two way street. They want to check you out and you want to check them out. That's the way I look at it.
0: Oh, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. um, I think it's definitely
4: all right. I don't see it as necessarily a negative.
0: No, I don't see it as a negative as, as well. Now, the, was that a fun film to work on, Jacqueline, going back? How many years ago was this film? It was yeah. a
4: fun film. It was a fun film because it's, it's a, there's a lot of improvisation, and I play this wild Italian diva <laughs> who's a number. She's a really a number. <laughs> and that's fun. It's fun to be able to be funny and uh, light and, and uh, good chemistry with, with Dennis. Good chemistry.
0: It definitely sounds like you have some definitely good chemistry from Dennis. Who else were have you? You guys went through the same process of getting this into film festivals as well, right, Jacqueline? This film.
4: Meaning- well, well, we haven't done that much yet, but we, we we're hoping we will. I mean, there'll be that. It's going out now on VOD, video on demand. Um, I don't know how many festivals we're going to want. To, I'm sure we'd love to get it into festivals that are around the country, but I don't know which ones specifically. We missed we missed the date for Sundance, and we didn't get. Um, but it will go probably in film festivals, you know, outside the country too. I'm, I'm playing a character who speaks with a very strong accent, so I don't quite know how they'll, how they'll um, how they'll translate that in, when it goes to, to foreign countries. Quite how that will be dealt with, but. Um, I'm sure it'll get out there
0: eventually. Well, especially fans of yours. But from and-
4: my point of view, this is really, this is really a fun character. I'm not just saying it because it's another film. It's for me, it really was. I've been trying to do comedy for a long time, and I, you know, i have tended to do dramatic pieces, and and this is uh, broad. This is broad comedy, and I love it.
0: Okay, Jacqueline, we can. Uh, so it's available on VOD right now, so people can go check it out. And where can we find information on you, Jacqueline? I think can-, you
4: can Find information on me. We can find you on Facebook.
0: Okay. Awesome. Well, Jacqueline, I appreciate you calling. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, best of luck with the film. And this definitely needs to live on Two talented actors and actresses and you and, uh, and Dennis Hopper, people need to see the film. It sounds funny and it really speaks to lots of people in Hollywood, what they have to go through on a daily basis. So thanks again for calling.
4: Thank you very,
1: very
0: much. Take care, Jacqueline. Bye-bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show and we'll be back in just a moment. Bye-bye. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter at Total Tutor, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, and neilhaley.com. And I'm so excited to welcome to the program Dietrich Bader of American Housewife. We all know him as Napoleon Dynamite, Napoleon Dynamite, the Drew Carey Show, Office Space, all those places. Dietrich, thanks for calling, and how are you?
5: Well, I'm really good. I'm really good, Neil.
0: Thanks. I mean, uh, I'm so. I'm doing fantastic. You know, when I think about your work, I just loved you and, and some of these shows, especially Drew Carey show. Reminisce and bring us back uh, that yeah, experience. We had a good
5: time on that show, it was yeah. like nine years in fun.
0: And I'm sure that made you recognizable forever because of that show. <laughs> Everyone's spotting you all the time. Yeah, it because... was a
5: big show. It ran a nice long time.
0: Absolutely. And I think that this, next sh- this show is going to be the same thing when you talk about American Housewife. I mean, uh, my wife cannot wait. We're going to put this on our DVR list because I'm telling you, it looks hilarious. And it's such a great—it really oh, speaks thanks. to you know, society. I really
5: feel like we're doing something really special and original. Um, and it's it's tough to reinvent the wheel, you know, a family show. But I feel like with these scripts and the star that we have, that uh, that we really have a chance at giving people a show that they they feel is fresh and yet they can associate with.
0: It, that's so true. And thinking about, you know, when we, we think about American housewife and we think about, you know, the particulars of it, it's just it's it's a it's a it's like so many women out there today trying to deal with family life, dealing with all these different things. And then yet they they, they see other people around them that, you know, might be thinner or younger and the challenges that moms have to go through on a daily basis for sure.
5: Oh, totally. Yeah, they feel judged because they are being judged. I mean, women are so tough on each other, and they love, like, judging each other. And uh, with Katie being in an affluent community and not spending all day doing Pilates and yoga and spinning classes, you know, she's comfortable in her own body. But she looks different from the rest of the women in the community, and they're always uh, kind of looking down on her. Um, And uh, I think only with her husband can she kind of let it show that she feels the pressure. Um, but she's a strong and fierce individual and, uh, and, and up for facing the task of being judged.
0: And this character you play is a little different than some of the other characters. Wouldn't you agree? Because again, you're more, a little bit more grounded than you are in some of the other characters you've played in your career. Wouldn't you agree?
5: Oh, totally. Yeah. You know, I've played a lot of really broad characters, uh, for a long time. Um, and I mean, you know, Oswald, for example, I don't even know how that guy got a driver's license. He was right. Pretty dumb, but, uh, uh, but fun to play like a sweet little boy. But, uh, yeah, this is, this guy is actually very close, uh, to me. Um, I come from really? an academic family and, um, and, uh, you know, Greg is a professor and, um, I, uh, uh, I have a kind of wry, dry sense of humor and, so does Greg. These writers are really fabulous in picking up little details. It's funny when we go out to lunch together. Um, you know, I realize that they're totally using me, uh, to wringing me dry and then absorbing everything like a sponge, so that they can then put it in the show.
0: And and that's so true. And and I laugh about that because some of the scenarios, one is I just got eight and a half hours sleep. I've watched just some of the clips and then, and then my wife had, and, and your wife had all the kids in the bed. I've dealt. I deal with this on a daily basis, Dietrich. I have five kids of my own, and my wife. I, yeah. I finally decide to go sleep on the couch and have a sound night's sleep. My wife gets back up, and she's like, "I'm exhausted. I got two hours sleep." This these scenarios really oh, happen yeah. in family
6: life.
5: Well, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, Greg sleeps through everything, and and uh, and the kids one after another come in, and Katie is just completely exhausted. And you have to go through the rest of your day. That's what's so nuts. People don't realize how crazy you are at that exact moment because you're just at you're just at the end of your rope. And uh, uh, and I know moms have to deal with this all the time. Tonight's episode is really, really funny in that way that they can completely associate with this life. I mean, uh, I remember going in um, when my kid was just unbelievably sick and we had to deal with them all night going in to do uh, CSI Miami um, as a guest star, (laughs) and I actually had not slept at all. And I felt that by the end of the day, I was losing my mind. I didn't even know if I was speaking English anymore because I just, I I was losing it. And and yet, somehow you get through the day and you you don't, if you watch it on television, hopefully you won't be able to tell. And then I came home, I had dinner, I went to bed, and everything was fine, and you got to come, you know, you got to go day after day after day, and it's uh, it's that clash of what you thought life would be like right. and what it ends up being, and and how to round it out so that you're actually happy, um, and fulfilled, and uh, and that's that's a lot of what tonight's episode is about.
0: And and that's and then, and that's that's so true. And think about it. I mean, I I the way I deal with my kids. I mean, when they were born first, I got no sleep. And I had to go to work, deal with all these yeah. different things and all that. But I think that there's so many water cooler conversations that moms and dads can have after watching this show. Specific things like about the Halloween candy. I get a kick out of that whole thing as well, Dietrich. That was probably in another episode So I'm just watching clips so far. But come on now. We all know when we have the Halloween candy out right at the beginning of October, it ends up disappearing. We put on 10 pounds, all of us, right? I know. I
5: know. And the kids think we're hiding it, but really we're hiding it in our lower intestine.
0: <laughs> and then the kids are like, what happened? And then, I, and I'm sure we go and grab the other stuff. And I think that I, I also cracked up when you're on the potty. And you're in the bathroom, and then (laughs) mom sends you up for the homework. I mean, when I saw these clips, I said this is going to be a great show, just even before it premiered. And I'm so glad that you have this opportunity to get back, get back in the 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 sitcom route, like the Drew Carey show. You know, you've done so many unbelievable, uh, you know. Uh, supporting roles and movies get you back and that whole thing. And then I was reading up also, you did Veep as well, didn't you? I didn't know that, that you were a part of Veep. Yeah,
5: yeah, I did a full season of Veep uh, a couple years ago. And then three episodes last season, and I think they're going to bring me back for a couple episodes this season, but I'm not sure. It just depends on the schedule, because they've already started shooting, and we're, our shooting is sort of overlapping.
0: So you were pretty impressed by Veep winning uh, awards and stuff. That was a pretty uh, exciting oh, yeah, thing. Oh, yeah,
5: I know. Julia is great and deserves every award. She is really a fabulous actress and a really nice person. It's a great show to work on, really, really nice cast, and it's a very smart show. It's very well written. Uh, but production is just, it's it's a, its a lovely production to be a part of. Um, and it shoots here in Los Angeles. It used to shoot in Baltimore, which made it harder because I was out of town, but away from my kids, and I didn't like that very much.
0: Also, what I like, Dietrich, about Tuesday nights, you have a great lineup on Tuesday nights to, to, to jump in to begin. I mean, to think about totally fresh... Yeah,
5: totally. You, Patty Show. Yeah. And then Fresh Off the Boat After Us, we really have a – it's a its a nice uh, a night uh, to, to tune in because it's a great – it's just a great lineup of family shows.
0: Comedy night, Tuesday nights. I mean, you, you put you, – you as you put the middle, yourselves, Fresh Off the Boat, and then the real O'Neils, and you have a lot of funny comedy because we all know what we deal with Dietrich on Tuesday nights. It's like, oh, my gosh, we woke up Monday ready to go to work, and then Tuesday comes. And they're like, is it time for the weekend yet? You, then you just say, okay, let's sit down.
5: You've got a long way to
0: go. You sit down right in front of the television and say, hey, here it is. And I think it's going to be very, very successful Tuesday nights. Where's the best place we can find information on you? And again, to tune in tonight at 8.30 p.m. Eastern uh, to American Housewife. But where can we find info on you?
5: Oh, uh, well, I'm on the Twitter at Bader uh, Dietrich. And I think there's a lower dash below uh, between Bader and Diedrich. Um, and also, uh, you know, the IMDb page is, is, uh, pretty current. That's uh, the website that keeps, you know, tracks uh, people's people showbiz careers. Uh, but really Twitter is probably the best way.
0: I'm telling you, I, I just, I spot great comedies and I know this is going to be fantastic. When I heard that you were doing this tour, I said, oh my gosh, I got it. The show continues to have success. And thanks again for calling, man.
5: Thank you very much.
0: All right. Take care, d See ya. Okay. Bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show and we'll be back in just a moment.
6: I'm so excited to welcome to the program, Rap Legend Too Short. Too Short, thanks for calling. And I'm telling you, I was such a huge fan of you growing up. Uh, I think you have a, a rap voice unlike anyone else, for sure.
7: Well, I'm fortunate enough to also, um, in the in the world of hip-hop, where we now notice that popular artists are being... Duplicated, <laughs> you know. People try to sound like them. They try to dress like them. I've, I've never really had anybody jump on my coattail like that, so I, that was fortunate.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And and what what? what tell us how you developed that style. Right. Um,
7: well, in the early days, every rapper had to be extremely individual. Nothing about right. you could be right. anything like anybody else. So you, you were instantly discredited and. Push the side, So um, I developed a style, man, where I really, like, I was listening to different rappers and how, and how everybody's style was evolving, and I just, I went in the direction of keep it really kind of simple. Don't try to be, like, you know, super rapping, wordy and stuff. People were doing that, and they were great at it. I wanted people to hear what I was saying, and I was more or less trying to be, like, an instrument in the music where you just kind of fit in the track instead of, Instead of dominating the track, like, listen to my words, I'm spitting bars, and I'm rapping. I was, I was like, no, nah, let me just say some really cool, slick stuff that people want to hear. Make sure the bass is really loud, and, you know, bass lines are funky, and it just... I, my my formula has always been the funk, the funk that I was raised on, George Clinton, Parliament Funkadelic, James Brown, the funk. And I more or less catered to the music with my voice instead of, instead of right. just like, rapping over some drums or something. So I, I think um, I think people... Enjoyed the simplistic style of Too Short, and didn't expect me to be like, "Oh, he's the best rapper ever." It was just like, I love listening to Too Short. Good music.
6: And, And that's so true, Too Short. And I and I think that that's where it was. That, but again, you just had that certain style and that certain ability, and you got caught up in a very interesting time in rap, didn't you? For sure. And with the East Coast West Coast, for sure.
7: Oh yeah, that was um. You know, you had to um. You were supposed to pick sides. I'm from California. Right. I'm from New York. Who do I look better? But I was the I was the guy back then who um. I just told everybody involved. I'm like, man, this is. I, I clearly see what this is. This is more of a puff daddy, Suge Knight type of thing. With you know, Suge Knight had two packs were all riled up. He had a you know, he went through some stuff being shot and robbed and going to jail right. in New York. So he was really, really bitter and he was the one who was feeling it and Suge was allowing him to, giving him the platform to do it. But I was sitting there looking at it realistically, saying to myself, you know, I do a lot of business in New York. I have a lot of friends in New York. I'm not getting ready to sit here and go, I'm from California. I hate everybody in New York now. I was you know, I was in New York a lot during that time. And I was working with people like Biggie and Jay-Z and, and Lil' Kim and Eric Sermon and and, you know, the, the sentiment outside of the so-called, we say so-called because it never really was, so-called East Coast, West Coast War was just, it was it was kind of like, a, um it was clear that it was a bad boy death row thing. And then in the end, when it got too real, and six months apart, we lost Tupac and Biggie. I think everybody just
6: yeah.
7: woke up and realized this is going too far, and they, they backed off of it
6: and it stopped and and the rivalries were just because of just how it just developed and how and and it was a lot of uh he said he said he said she said type thing, and then it just blew up for sure and and that time but uh too short, you've been recognized uh with a lot of honors haven't you uh in from your career and I'm sure you're happy about that as well as as in hip hop and stuff
2: wouldn't you agree I've done dozens of comp- of of,
7: of of, of um, collaborations with a uh, great, great, great artists who um, who kind of intimidate you when you get in the studio with them, and they, in, in the process of, uh, of working with an artist like Notorious B.I.G., you gotta get in that room and you gotta do your best work. And I think um, I think that's the best part of collaborations is they bring out the best in you. So I've um, i I've, I've, I've went toe to toe with some heavyweights and came out with some with some classics.
6: You definitely did. Now you're trying to go in a round that I started seven years ago when I started on one radio station and have gone to 120 where you have a podcast, where now you're taking on my role. So tell me this process of developing your podcast, Radio One Podcast.
7: Well, I'm just giving you another insight. I've never really let people tap into the personal too short. Not a lot. You know, you get some interviews here and there. I'm not really – Super mega publicist kind of guy. So there's been a sort of um, you see me out a lot, but not. I'm just not all in your face like that. So I think that kind of letting people tap into my world a little more is a, uh, you know, it's good timing for that right now. I, um, I got a lot of music that uh I've been recording over the years, and since I've been back independent, not on Jive Records, and I'm not trying to sign to any major label ever. I um, it's got a lot of music. I just, you know, I want to creep into my show and let people hear the music I've been working with with other artists. Um, a lot of every time you listen to the show, you're gonna hear these great songs that you've never heard anywhere in the world. And basically, um, we we keep it funny and we talk about interesting things, man. And the bottom line to the whole show is, um, it's just the ingredients of success. We just we just want to know what does it feel like. What what did it what did it take to achieve it, and what's needed to maintain it, you know, success.
6: And who are some upcoming guests that you're going to have on?
7: Upcoming guests. We've already done Ice Cube. Uh, Snoop Dogg is up and available right now. Um, g is going up next. And up and coming, I got Russell Simmons coming over. I got – Anthony Anderson coming over pretty soon. Craig Robinson is going to come over. Um, I'm going to tap into uh, a lot of my sports buddies and and, and get them through. I just did K-Camp the other day. And, you know, it's it's a lot. It's a lot, a lot, a lot lot going on. The the guests that we're lining up are everywhere from comedians, actors, internet influencers, rappers, singers. I just want to talk about success. at, At some point. I'm bringing on even uh, even people who are, aren't are in the entertainment industry, who just are interesting people, who are friends of mine, who are very successful, and just give you those ingredients.
6: Yeah, and that's true, success. And that's what you want to do in your podcast. And your co-host, Bobby Loco, tell us a little about him and uh, how you guys decide to do this together.
7: Well, we, um, we have a, um independent label that we run, the Boombox, and... In the midst of uh, breaking out our new artists and our production team
2: and the things we're doing around
7: here at the at the new facility, where um, we got, we decided the podcast would be a good addition, you know. So it's like a, you could have a reality show or something, whatever you think it is, um, um, music projects, whatever. But we decided the podcast was a was a good outlet to let people hear the music hear what's going on and just right. keep you informed yeah. so uh, i'm going to do this every week for a long 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 time it's going to get it's going to get it's really good now but it's going to get better and <laughs> you know we, we just gonna, we, we're going to see what direction it goes in and how big it gets but at the same time just, just expect a good hour hour and a half journey of live music information just yeah. you know just, it, it, really really good show
6: Fantastic, okay, so where can we um listen to the podcast and all that and find information on you too short? Where can we go? You can get
7: the podcast one app you can go to podcast one dot com or you can go to iTunes and just make sure when you search it you put the the dollar sign for the word s too short for the letter s use the dollar sign.
6: okay, we'll do that dollar dollar bills right? Exactly, for sure. So thanks, Too Short, for calling, man. Take care, and best of luck on your show, okay?
7: Thanks, guys.
6: Take care, man. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to The Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment.
0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter, at Total Tutor, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, Total Tutor, and also neilhaley.com and much, much more. And I'm really excited to welcome to the program. Celebrity, athlete, Gabrielle Reese, model, everything, Gabrielle. Thanks for calling, and thanks for taking the time today to come on the show.
3: Thank you so much for
0: having me. You know, it's so interesting. I was looking into your, we're going to talk about your podcast, but you look at your career and it kind of relates a lot to what kind of conversations you're going to have on your show. The struggles you had to go through to be a successful professional athlete, to a model, to a host. You went through a lot of different things in your career to go to where you are today. Am I correct?
3: Yeah, I think it's like everyone, you know, if you live a few years, you you probably do a couple different things and hopefully learn a lot and then you realize how much you you don't know.
0: Right, right, right. And and you you learn from that that process and how you uh how did you did you always want to be a professional athlete? Was that something growing up you wanted to do?
3: You know that? That's um I think one of the most um for me the biggest surprise of my life uh growing up uh, was that I went, first of all, to college on a scholarship and then I went on to play professionally. I had no sense of that even at 15 years old. So by 11th grade, I, I didn't, I wasn't even connected to that dream. Um, just the way that my road took me. And, and, um, I think that that was, you know, sort of one of the most impactful things that ever happened to me. And, um, but no, I didn't grow up. you know I know Carrie Walsh very well and and I'm a you know I think it was sort of always in her mind. Um, and I know a lot of I have a lot of friends and peers that they kind of had that drive and knew early. I didn't
0: and you definitely led the way for Carrie Walsh and all the others in success in that sport. Do you agree, Gabrielle? being one of the, the Well, yeah.
3: you know, I have to be honest, there was a group right before me that kind of built the platform and then I got to capitalize on the platform. So we had athletes like St. John Smith and Randy Stoklas and and some on the male side and and, um, some athletes on the female side that they kind of got the platform where it was. And then when I came in and the athletes and I, we got to really benefit because it was already built. Building, it's the hardest part.
5: Right.
0: It's definitely, it's yeah, definitely so it
3: was, the, good timing, good
0: timing, good timing, good, good timing. And then how did you kind of, you, you stretched from sports to hosting and modeling? Did it all just come through the success you had as a professional athlete? Did people come to you or did you strive for those opportunities? Well,
3: what happened is when I was playing college ball, I got the opportunity I had gotten the opportunity to model prior to going to college, and then I waited. Um, And then, my second year of competing, I gave up my scholarship because of NCAA rules about making money and and being on scholarship. So, I modeled all throughout um, playing for Florida State. And then, once I turned professional, I actually stopped modeling, but I kind of used all the stuff I learned in that business for that other, that sort of next image part. And that's when I started doing television and, and writing and doing other things because, quite frankly, my sport was and is so small that I was trying to look at things that I was interested in and thought, well, maybe I could do that job um, because the sport really wasn't big enough to sustain um, to sustain you, not really.
0: And it's changed dramatically since the time you've retired and where it is today. It's just unbelievable, right, Gabrielle? You never thought that it would be become what it is. In a way,
3: I mean, I think it's great but but any of the athletes will tell you that it you know and during the Olympics, it's a it's you know so well showcased, and you have such great athletes um like Misty May and Terry Walsh that really elevated the the status of it but the the problem is is it's still unless you're sort of a top four or five team, right. you probably are doing a side hustle. <laughs>
0: which all of us are doing, I think in Hollywood to everywhere in between. And now why a podcast Gabrielle? And I think that you talk about your inner struggles and how you challenged yourself all the way to be as successful as you are today. And that's, that's that has a lot to do with you and your co-host really talking about how, how people deal with challenges and fears and how they overcome things. Right. Yeah.
3: Well, I think, you know, I started, um, we have my husband, um, he's an athlete. His name is Lord Hamilton. And we have, um, People come to our house every week, several days a week, but friends and and uh, peers and such that come and train at our house. And we have a 10-seat sauna. It runs about 220 degrees. Well, next to it, we have ice tubs. And so what we started seeing over the years was that the conversations were the best inside the barrel. Like, I don't know if it's because you're in your bathing suit and you're hot and right. – and then what you start to see is we have all these people—retired professional athletes, present-day professional athletes, actors, writers, all different types of people—and the conversations really were always the same. They were about our families, or about aging, or something that we were afraid of, or something like that. So when I was approached to do the podcast, and we started calling the the Sauna the Truth Barrel, um, Neil Strauss was coming to my house, and he's a writer and a very, you know, very bright guy, um, and. I I was in the barrel a lot with Neil, and I thought, here's a guy who wrote a book called The Game, and then he wrote a book called The Truth, he writes for Rolling Stones. We kind of live in really different worlds, and really our conversations were were, we were navigating a lot of the same things, and so I thought it was an interesting way to, to connect with people.
0: I definitely do as well. What I'm so excited about is where podcasts are going. And, you know, you and I only have eight minutes, but if you and I could chat for an hour, what a conversation yeah. will we have, you know, about and, and share back and forth with each other our challenges in life and to where we became and where we go. And that's what's so cool when you interview people, right, and discuss these topics is you can go into a lot more detail in in a podcasting format, right?
3: You can, and it's a little bit sneaky too, because you almost feel you almost forget. Like on radio, it's even a little more. Like, okay, you're on go, and even television is another level higher of that. But something about a podcast, all of a sudden, it's it can get very intimate, and you do have that time. Um, but you have to be careful that you're not you don't you know that you're not a bore either. And that's what Neil's good at. He's like, okay, move it along. <laughs> um, because I can get stuck in, oh, that's so interesting. And he, I know he's like, yeah, no, that's not interesting. So <laughs> I think it's, to your point, it can be a really great opened-up conversation. But you do have to remember that if people are listening, to, you know, nobody's that interesting. So keep it moving and, and kind of get on the topic and get into the topic. Um and yeah, it's a, it's a great format.
0: You're able to, in a lot of ways, and that's where I'm is get it moving to the next thing. So people, what I want I'm interested in a lot of times through preparation is what your listeners are interested in. And that's the important thing. What kind of guests are we going to expect on the show? Is it going to be more conversation style topics or are we going to have guests as well? Oh, no,
3: we're. So far, the ones we've done, we have all guests. Um, we've had we had uh, Larry Miller. He's a comedian, um, actor, uh, with a, a L.A. Times writer. That show was about got two gentlemen that both had near death experiences. Very different. Right. Um, what they went through, what they learned, how they got through it. Um, we have uh, we have. Uh, people who have, do very dangerous things and how they prepare for that, how they use fear. We'll have parenting experts. We will have relationships experts. Oh, wow. okay. um, Yeah, so our whole thing is, Neil and I, we joke, this is all about us, right? Like, we've got questions, and we need information. Because <laughs> Neil has a young child. I have three daughters. Um, I've been with my husband many years. And we're just... Um, you know, we're just trying to navigate it and, and distill it down and sort of say, hey, can we offer one takeaway? Can we make it entertaining um, and humanize it? Because when you start to realize at some point um, I feel like people are, are afraid to have real conversations because it is a, it's a kind of tougher world where everyone yes. has, is chiming in. So everyone's sitting on the fence a little more. I feel like why can't we really get into it and really talk about it? Because then other people
4: will be like, yeah,
0: that's how I feel. And that's what I love when I have experts on. I I start asking questions. Of all the interviews I've done in my career, which is like in the 3,000-plus range in seven years or 4,000, that's why why I love guests. Oh, my gosh. If you would see my list just of celebrities alone, uh, it's an unbelievable list. But also – just experts and just learning from them. It's, that's what's the fun thing. I think I learned from Larry King in that way. Larry King wants to learn about people, and that's what made him so successful. So, uh, Gabrielle, where's the best place? Again, Podcast One is where it's available, but where can we find information yes, and, on you and as and well?
3: iTunes.
0: And iTunes. Yeah, but-
3: iTunes. And um, it's The Truth Barrel with myself, Gabby Reese and Neil Strauss, or I'm on Instagram and Twitter, at Gabby Reese, G-A-B-B-Y-R-E-E-C-E. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, for for me, I I also feel like it's like you saying when you do these interviews, you're also, you know, the fact that you try to put something out there that maybe is towards good. Yes. You know, like not just not fluff. You know, rambling. <laughs> yeah. Um, that that's the hope. And sometimes we're going to succeed, and sometimes we're
0: not, but that is the hope. As an educator, that's what I want to do. I want to ask questions, learn about why, what makes you passionate. I'm not going to ask fluff questions like, what yeah. did you have for breakfast today, Gabby? What's the weather like? That's not enough, and it's not enough time, so thanks again for calling. Take care, and best of luck with your podcast. Thank uh, you. All right, take care. Thanks. Thank you. All right, see you. Okay, bye-bye. Aloha, bye. Aloha, bye. bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment.
6: So I'm excited to welcome the program, horse star Bill Mosley of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And much, much more, Bill. Thanks for calling. And it's your favorite time of year, isn't it? Halloween.
2: You know, I love it. There, there's, there's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's. Uh, I live in Los Angeles, so it cools off a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I do like uh, Reese's peanut butter cups, so uh, they're they're free this time of year. <laughs> and uh, of course, yeah. uh, you know, it's a celebration, of, celebration of monsters, and and there's plenty of them uh, here in Los Angeles.
6: Absolutely. So, is it crazy in LA on Halloween?
2: It does get crazy. Um, I I usually uh, stay in. I know it's kind of a sounds like a wet noodle, but uh, I stay in and I consider it amateur night. <laughs> so, you know, I I, I stay <laughs> home. Uh, a lot of a lot of crazy drivers, and uh, uh, you know, I just generally you know chill out.
6: All right, so let's kind of go into. I want the story of how you became a horror star. Give us that story where you got your break and stuff.
2: Uh, you know, I actually was always a, a horror movie fan, and uh, I had watched uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think back in 1976, maybe, and, uh, you know, it really uh, freaked me out, and I was. Uh, actually working on a ranch in Wyoming Um, one summer, I think it was the summer of 78 or something like that, and uh, I actually was working next to a kid that uh, uh, was just, you know, would go into these uh, crazy, he he drank a lot of mellow yellow, and so he would go into these crazy rants, and and one of them at one point he just suddenly blurted out, uh, Texas Chainsaw Manicure. And I heard that, uh, I went back to the bunkhouse because it was a ranch and, uh, I wrote out a five minute scenario about a woman who goes to a beauty parlor, gets her hair done, wants to get her, you know, nails manicured and out from the back comes Leatherface, uh, and gives her a manicure with a chainsaw. And, uh, so I, I, I wrote that out and, uh, I went back to New York city where I was living and, uh, made the Texas Chainsaw Manicure. Uh, at the very end, uh, the woman, you know, she passes out from fright, and then when she comes to, she she looks down, and she realizes she's gotten a fabulous manicure. <laughs> so, And she goes out and, and shows her husband, played by me, you know, driving a pickup truck, dressed like Ed Neal from the original Texas Chainsaw, as the hitchhiker. And uh, she goes, look, Eddie, I got the best manicure ever. And I go, hey, that's great, honey. We should celebrate with some egg cheese. And so, uh, you know, I uh, actually uh, got a copy of the Manicure to uh, Toby Hooper, who directed the original Chainsaw. And when he was actually, uh, when he did the uh, uh, Chainsaw 2 back in 1986, uh, he remembered me from uh, the Chainsaw Manicure and uh, hired me to play uh, the character Chop Top with uh, my little head plate, my uh, coat hanger, and sketchy, crazy dude, all based on my cameo in the Texas Chainsaw Manicure. And uh, after that, uh, you know, 30 years later, uh, I think this is our 30th anniversary of Chainsaw 2, and I'm still going strong.
6: Wow, Bill, I got a little story. I'm 43, and... I, wanted, I saw the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but how crazy that movie was, even though it got such promotion, the rate, I wasn't allowed to see it when I was 13. So I've still never seen that. I saw the first one, never saw the one you were in. Isn't that amazing? Because uh, uh, somehow amazing my family's cause, like, yeah. Because that's crazy, that movie, right? Uh,
2: yeah, that's crazy. Well, check it out, man. Maybe that's uh, you can treat yourself this Halloween to... Uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. I know it's just come out. Of, there's a real nice uh, Blu-ray from a company called Scream Factory. It's got a bunch of DVD extras, and it's a real nice uh, Blu-ray. So maybe uh, treat yourself. Absolutely. Treat yourself. I'll definitely.
6: <laughs> <laughs> so from there, you became you became a horror a horror star, right? After that opportunity, well, you, you know, just jumped I, I on it. A, I did
2: a good job in I did a good job in Chainsaw 2, and um, one of the uh, the special effects makeup artists for Chainsaw 2 was a guy named Tom Savini, who is, uh, you know, considered the king of splatter makeup. I mean, he really turned uh, turned around, uh, you know, the, the genre with his incredible special effects makeup. And uh, Tom, after Chainsaw 2... Uh, got was a great buddy of uh, George Romero, and uh, ended up uh, directing the remake of Night of the Living Dead, the color remake, wow. back in 1990. And uh, so that actually, um, and Tom hired me, just because we'd become friends on the set of Chainsaw 2, to uh, play the character Johnny, which is a short-lived character, I might add, but... Uh, I get to say at least when I'm in, I'm in the at the very beginning of, uh, of uh, Night of the Living Dead. I'm in the cemetery with my sister. We're going to visit our mother's grave, and I try to get spooky with my sister. And I go, They're coming to get you, Barbara, and uh, my Boris Karloff accent. So, uh, you know, that was my next big horror movie. And uh, from there, I did Army of Darkness with Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. That was uh, Evil Dead. Basically, and uh, you know, just kept going, and finally uh, uh, ended up uh, meeting a guy named Rob Zombie. um, Right, uh, I think it was October of '99, and uh, met Rob, and uh, Rob hired me as Otis in a movie that his first movie called The House of a Thousand Corpses, and after that, uh, that was so popular that we did a sequel called The Devil's Rejects, and I reprised my character as Otis. And then after that, I uh, worked with a guy, uh, director named Darren Bowsman, who did all the, did at least three or four of the Saw movies, and he'd had his uh, his great passion was to do a horror opera. So I ended up singing and dancing in a movie called Repo, the Genetic Opera. <laughs> so, I you know have just been you know as I say I've just been oh, you know not, you it? know rolling along.
6: Now, Bill, my take is, let's talk about the days of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Your direction in horror is different than, I guess, the teeny bopper direction. Horror people rejected the newer horror films, meaning the ones that are just the scary films that go to the theaters and have gone towards the direction of what was successful in your time, meaning the Texas Chainsaw Massacre's uh, Freddy, Jason, It seemed like that the horror people all decided, we're tired of what's going on. We'll go with the Night of the Living Dead and change our whole direction in certain ways and and go and be our own stuff instead of allowing the other people to call the shots that were unrealistic and not very good horror films. Am I right? The horror community kind of rebelled against the newer generation. Would you agree?
2: you know i I think so i think I think what's happened is that uh, some of the special effects makeup uh has gotten so convincing and realistic uh that a lot of uh a lot of horror has gotten um you know pretty uh gnarly in the sense that it is um you know it just looks like you're you're watching like an autopsy <laughs> you know with some scary music and uh i think what what's happened is i think uh uh, people are hearkening back to the horror heroes like, uh, you know, the Freddy Kruegers and Jason from Friday the 13th, Michael Myers from Halloween. Uh, Absolutely. You know, things to be horror characters. And I think that's that's actually what people are in search of. And I go to a lot of, this time of year, I go to a lot of horror conventions around the country, and actually uh, in a couple of weeks I'm going to Germany for one. Um and uh, people still seem to be really excited about uh, meeting guys, again, like Robert Englund, who played Freddy, uh, me with, you know, uh, Chop Top and Otis, and, uh, you know, uh, Kane Hodder, my, my buddy who does, uh, you know, who did the Friday the 13th, Jason. Yeah, he and, was
6: on my show last you week. Know, that, yeah, yeah.
2: That does seem to be the thing that people are looking for. It's like, uh, you know, is a, a big horror hero like that.
6: Exactly. All right, Bill. A place we can find information on you because I know I got to let you go. I could talk for you for hours. A place where we can find information on you and also latest project. Where can we go to find all that info?
2: Yes. Uh, well, I'm. I, you know, I have a website which is chop tops choptopsbbq.com, dot com, um, c h o p t o p s b b q com. And then I'm on social media, and it's at choptopmosley m o s e l a y. So. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. Um, The next project coming up is um, I'm doing a movie called Crepitus, which is C-R-E-P-I-T-U-S, and I play a scary, crackling clown, A, like everybody else, um, uh, in uh, Michigan. I I shoot that in uh, January in the Upper Peninsula, so I'm going to pack some long johns. I'll be a, a, a scary, chilly clown.
6: All right, all right. Well, Bill, uh, happy Halloween! Thanks for calling, man, and take
2: care. Well, thank you very much. Happy Halloween to you, and remember to X-ray your candy.
6: (laughs) I will. (laughs) You're listening to Total Celebrity Show. We'll be back in just a moment.
0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter at TotalTutor Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn Neil Haley, Instagram TotalTutor, Pinterest Neil Haley, Google Plus, and also on Periscope at Total Tutor. And I'm excited to welcome the program. Uh relationships expert for the show what to text him back on abc.com. Matthew Hussey. Matthew, thanks for calling. How are you?
1: Uh I'm great, Neil. How are you? Fantastic. Now, you know what's
0: interesting, Matthew, when you think about relationships in general, how things have changed in the last, let's say, 10 years. It's just it's it's unbelievable, isn't it? How people connect and compared you to you. It- yeah
1: it is uh, you know we we've got so many new ways of talking to people and and meeting people and it's given us an an enormous amount of breadth in terms of the amount of people we meet but we're we're losing the depth in the way we connect with people
0: We're definitely losing the uh, the way we – how we connect with people. Is it because more and more people don't really have real relationships? They have online relationships. They have text message relationships. No one's going to the bars really to meet somebody as much anymore as just – I wonder if the bars are empty now for relationships, Matthew. Are they all in just chat rooms and different things?
1: Well, I think we haven't replaced the bar scene as a a place that people like to go, but I think we've certainly – Uh, the bar scene has has become a place where people are in some way less practiced at approaching each other and talking to each other. Uh, You know, they know that they can get their little jolt of validation uh, from going to their phone and texting somebody uh, and getting some feedback there instead of having to talk to somebody who's across the room. And that's not a great thing for having uh, being able to meet people in person. But what I do think is that the opportunity now is so much greater, because uh, as a man or a woman, if you can approach someone, if you can be charming, if you can talk to them uh, and have a real conversation in person, you are now somebody who really stands out. The art is being lost amongst the masses uh, and it gives us an incredible opportunity to shine for those who know how to do it
0: so matthew it's hard always for me to talk about five i have five kids of my own i'm married uh, so looking at the dating scene but i'm looking back at 43 and saying oh that was a long time ago but i could imagine that phones are pulled out all the times at bars now Matthew Wright and and different things and selfies are being taken and and as you said the art of approaching somebody especially as a man who's living on that phone they don't know how to approach a woman and talk to them and stuff like that and that's what this part of this show is about to teach people these how to really uh, break down relationships right?
1: Well, that, that's absolutely right. Um, you know, each it, it focuses focuses on ten different episodes, where each episode is designed to deal with a common scenario that people face. So, for example, a woman who says, "I'm on a dating app. He's texting me, he's texted me for the last two months, and he hasn't actually asked me out. Oh my what gosh. can I send him that might make it more likely that he'll ask me out?" It's those types of scenarios that we're that we're dealing with here.
0: That's got to be uh, difficult for a woman to do that in, in a lot of ways, Matthew, to have to initiate. is Why are men not figuring out these clues as much anymore?
1: Well, whether or not it's because they're not figuring out clues or, or because they simply have this buffet of options. Um, it, you know, guys, guys are... People have become more disposable, and, you know, a man is getting his validation from his bedroom texting somebody and isn't having to put in the effort to actually go out, which represents effort. Um, and ironically, it's the woman right now who has a higher standard, um, who, who makes herself a little more challenging. She's the one that's going to get the better uh, uh, attention from guys. So, for example, if a woman were to send uh, a message to someone saying, I noticed you love texting, and the man said in response, how do you mean? And she says, um, we never actually uh, talk. We, we, we only text. We're like pen pals. Um, well, no man wants to be a woman's pen pal. Uh, it's not sexy. It makes him feel like a teenage boy, uh, not a man. Um, and he now wants to rebel against that image that he's been given. So if she then says, um, I'm back Talk after work, you should give me a call so I can hear your voice. Now she's made it a positive thing. I want to hear your voice. Your, you know, The insinuation is you're sexier on the phone than you are by message, by text. Uh, so now when they do speak, she can leave the phone call and say, it was so great speaking to you. It's always such a pleasure hearing your voice. Now what she's really doing is – and which is what most people are not doing today – is she's really – training this person to like the thing that she wants him to do i.e meeting up in person or calling um, and creating more of a negative stereotype around the thing that that she doesn't want him to do and none of this is is really manipulative it's just the truth you know women do find it sexier when a guy actually gives them a call um so it's just about Understanding how to communicate with the opposite sex and doing it ten percent better than everybody else is doing it, and that's what my show, "What to Text Him Back," is all about.
0: Okay, so everything is a different scenario. I bet you the one scenario, Matthew, that's out there is when you see the bubble—you know, when you're you're waiting for a text to be received back and it doesn't come back with an answer. What to do, right, Matthew? I'm sure that was...
1: <laughs> when you see that they're so- when you see that typing something, but then nothing comes back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a very, a very frustrating scenario. The thing I always say to people is, you, it, why are you even in that situation where you're set, sitting there on your phone, watching for somebody to text back in the first place? Why are you not living your life? And being present with whoever it is that's around you, and whatever it is that's going on. Because either you're at coffee with someone right now and you're ignoring them by watching those those uh, that bubble, or you're not with anybody and you're ignoring all the strangers around you who are who are real potential for you to speak to and and have an interesting interaction with. You, we will only meet people if we start looking up. And ironically, even though this is a show that's about texting, it's called What to Text Him Back ironically, the idea of this show is to get people off of texting and into real Good. life. So it's not training people to text better so that they can text <laughs> more, it's so that they can text less.
0: I just, I mean, I just don't understand it. I, I guess, I, I don't know, Matthew, you think, you think that it's easier now to communicate? Women are harder now than when I was in my 20s. I think it's,
1: I think it's become seemingly more complex. people when in fact it's actually a lot simpler. The old old ways still work. If you are charming, if you understand what it is to be charismatic and attractive and you know how to be an incredible presence uh, on a date um, and when you're with somebody then you will win. It's the people that have become addicted to the video game of texting, of apps of online dating and have bought into the frame yes. of reference that everybody is now disposable. They're the people that are going to lose.
0: They are. And Ari, how excited are you about this uh, platform on ABC.com to have all your shows? That's fantastic.
1: It's it's terrific. And, you know, the nice thing about the show is I think we've, we've you know, we've become so used to shorthand content that we can digest quickly and, and carry on with our lives. And that's the way this show is developed is every episode is Five to 10 minutes. So they're really short, punchy episodes. And this isn't just a show where you'll be entertained. I mean, you literally will hear the most common questions you have about dating. What do I do when he sends something too sexual? What do I do if he texts and never calls? How do I get him to actually ask me out on a date? What do I do if after a date he doesn't text me? All of those questions we answer episode by episode, and not just in a theoretical way, but we literally give people exact copy and paste text messages that they can use to send to someone today. So, I'd encourage people to go to the app and just even look for the one episode that stands out for them, because they'll be able to use it immediately.
0: That's fantastic. And uh, any other news for you, Matthew? I guess after this, there's some more, more big things coming up. So you got to go check you out as well, right, Matthew? For all the projects you have going on. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. I, uh... I'd encourage people. You know, um, you know, we do YouTube videos every week, and you know, we're we're just we're always. Furthering the conversation about dating, and, and you know, it's uh, it's always coming from a loving place. But people really, you know, we've built an incredible community of of women who love hearing everything that uh, that we have to say and find it very very helpful. And you know, I'd encourage anyone who's struggling in their dating life right now or feels lonely um, to just come and check us out. My name's Matthew Hussey. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, um, but um, I, you know, come check us out because I guarantee by watching what we have, you'll feel less alone and, and more encouraged in this area of your life.
0: So so Matthew has hussy.com for more information. Also, we can follow you on social media as well, right?
1: That's, that's absolutely right. Google my name, you'll
0: find me. All right. Well, Matthew, thanks for calling. Uh, definitely an interesting thing. I'll have those conversations with my younger friends about your show and stuff. And best of luck uh, with all your ventures. So, thanks for calling.
1: Neil, thank you so much for having me.
0: Take care, Matthew. See you later. Okay, bye bye. You're listening to Total Celebrities Show, to and we'll be radio. back in just a moment.